morning. We'll take your Bibles today, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of John. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you there in the pew. And uh, we encourage you to read along with us as we study this morning. We've been in the Gospel of John uh, for over a year as a church family, amen, and in praying about what we would preach this morning, uh, the Lord just laid on our heart to continue in the book, amen, and to continue where we're at on this First Responder Sunday. So this morning we're going to be in John chapter number 10, and we're all the way down to verse number 22. John chapter 10, verse 22. If you don't mind, let's stand in honor of the reading of God, and we're going to read some verses here, and then we'll pray and we'll jump right into the sermon. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. And I said unto you, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we're grateful for the opportunity once again just to gather in this meeting house and to sing your praises. Lord, we thank you for these that have dedicated their lives and in service to this community. Lord, these that have dedicated their lives and sacrificed time and family and sometimes even talent just to be a helping hand to those of us in this community and the surrounding communities. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to boldly preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through us and help us not to preach our own opinion. Help us to be faithful to preach your word. Lord, I pray if there be one here that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that if there is one here that is wayward and running, maybe one that it's been a while since they've come to church, or maybe it's been a while since they've heard of your love and your grace. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that you would bring home the prodigal. Lord, I pray that you would work in hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you would manifest yourself in a real way in our midst this morning. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for loving us. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. In this portion of Scripture, Jesus has introduced Himself as many different things. And there are three specifically here in this chapter that uh, we have looked at as a church family and any visitors that have been here over the past few months. And if you look back at verse number 9 of John chapter 10, Jesus says, I, uh, The thief cometh not, or rather verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And so Jesus has introduced himself as the door. Look at verse 11. He then introduces himself as the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
Verse 12, He that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is in hireling and careth not for the sheep. And that hireling there, that just means that there's someone that was literally hired to watch after the sheep. And then he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And so Jesus has introduced himself as the door. Scripture makes no apology in promoting the fact that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no negating that from the very Word of God. If you were to say that there are multiple ways to find God, then what you are saying is, I know what this book says, but I don't believe it. Because the Word of God is very clear. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the verse continues, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus is the door. He is the good shepherd. And then in John chapter 10, verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I might take it. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And so all throughout the Scripture we see not only is Jesus Christ the door, not only do we see He is the Good Shepherd, but the Bible teaches us that He is the life. He's the only one that is the giver of life. He has the power to give His life up and to take it back again. Jesus Christ plainly in Scripture teaches us that He is God in the flesh. From this there were many divisions in verse 19 that we as a church family looked at two weeks ago, these divisions. It's interesting today that everybody wants to be united with the world and we want to be accepted by secularism and we want to be accepted by those that are lost. But the Bible teaches us that the message of Christ is a dividing message. It's a dividing message. There was, in verse 19, division, therefore, again, among the Jews for these sayings. So this is the stance of the world today. They're divided over who Christ is and whether or not He is the only way. In our passage this morning, we're going to see some identifiers that I, I want you to ask yourself three questions. And so I'm going to tell you the three questions that I want you to be thinking of constantly in your mind this morning. And the first one is, do you know God? Do you know God? Now, conveniently, that's the title of the message, and so it's the first slide. If I had been more prepared, I would have had all three questions up here, but I am imperfect. Amen? And uh, that should be no shock to our church family, and uh, I, I know, Brother Carlos, good to have you in town. I know that discourages you that the pastor's not perfect, but I'm just not. Amen? And uh, I make mistakes. How many of you got one of the, the invites, the first responder invite? Anybody find them? 
would, Brother Riley. All right, I figured that. Yeah, I got those in and I looked and I thought, man, alive, how could I be so dumb? Amen. So we thought about putting a sign out front that says your church name here because uh, that was what I missed was in the description. I missed one place where I'm supposed to type out the church's name. And instead of reading the church's name on everything else, our printer just took it for what we turned in and said, yeah, that's good. And uh, they ran with it. But that's okay. That's my fault. I had agree that it was right. And I just told the church, I said, you just tell everybody you invite, here is proof that the pastor's not perfect, so there is zero expectation of perfection when you come to this church. Amen? There is none. Why? Because ultimately we're all flesh. We're all sinners. And the only thing that separates church people, or rather Christians from the world, are these three questions. Number one, do you know God? Do you know Him? Number two, does God know you? Do you know God, and does God know you? These are questions we're going to look at from the passage this morning. And then number three, do you belong to Him? It's one thing to know someone. It's another thing for them to know you. But it's altogether different for you to belong to them. I know the children that come to this church. I know the young people, the teenagers. I teach the teen Sunday school class. I know Wit, and Wit knows me but I'm grateful every day that he is not mine. Amen. He does not belong to me. I'm just teasing. What's a good kid? Amen. Well, you know, that's where Mr. See, Ms. Tracy's downstairs helping, and Brother Royce, he's not going to say, oh, he's going to roll his eyes and grin because he knows the truth. Amen. You see, but there's a difference. I know who it is. He knows who I am, but he doesn't belong to me. He's not my son. So the question this morning, the three that I want us to consider, do you know God, does God know you, and then do you belong to Him? Because these are three very different questions, and if you answer no to any of the three, then there's cause for concern. The Jews requested that Jesus speak plainly and tell them if He was truly the Christ. John chapter 10 and verse 24 in our passage, Then came the Jews round about Him and said unto Him, How long dost Thou make us to doubt? If Thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. This is a rather bizarre request because for nine chapters, it's already been proven and shown and preached and repeated that Jesus is the Anointed One. Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the Christ. Jesus had revealed Himself as the only begotten of the Father many different times throughout His ministry. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Flip a page over, a few pages over in the same gospel. John chapter 6, verse 47. This is Jesus speaking here. If you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll see these are red letters. Verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you. And what does Jesus say? He that believeth on what? Me. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. What is He stating? Well, He's stating very clearly that life only comes from Him because He has set Himself at the same level as God the Father. This is the reason why later on in John chapter 10, we'll see that the Pharisees sought the Jews to stone Him, not because of the miracles that He did, but because He spoke blasphemy 
in their eyes. Why? Because he made himself as God. Jesus didn't make himself as God. Jesus made himself the God. Amen? He preached that he is the Christ. He's the only one begotten of the Father. Then verse 48 in John chapter 6, I am that bread of life. Why did they not understand who he was though? Back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Why did they not then understand who Jesus was? Why ask the question, tell us plainly? Why request that? Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Verse 26, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now this is very interesting. They simply did not believe that He was who He said He was. Now I want to take a pause right here and I want us to turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And I want us to look at verse 18. You see John 3.16 is a very familiar passage. Anybody that's ever watched any kind of college football is going to know that John 3.16 is on signs, it's on face. Make, I don't know, it's makeup to me. What do you call that? I'm not sure what you call that, amen? You can tell I'm not a sports person. You can tell by looking at me I'm not a sports person, amen? I, I would fall over with the wind blew, and uh, that's why I try to eat a lot, because I want to stay grounded, amen? But, uh, so, but if anybody that has ever watched any kind of sports knows John 3.16, I remember my grandfather, he loved wrestling, amen? He liked watching wrestling. And there was, and I don't remember who it was, you can help me, uh, maybe, maybe if you know, and I know we're in church, you're not supposed to know these things, amen, but Brother Royce reminded me this morning, anyway, uh, uh, in the WWE there was that one, it was John 3, 16, it was plastered on a shirt that he wore, I don't remember who he was, and that was kind of the thing, amen. I know most of you know who Tim Tebow is. I remember when he played in the championship, uh, there was, they said on the internet, there were some 3 million hits on the Google search, John 3.16, because he had it labeled under his eyes, and they got a close-up of him several times in the game. So we all know John 3.16, and what a wonderful encouragement John 3.16 is, that God so loved the world. But verse 18 is very telling as well. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. And all God's people said, Amen. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You see, it's very interesting. The world will ask the question, how could a loving God cause a person that lives and tries to do their moral best, how could that person die and go to hell? The answer is in John 3.18. He that believeth not is condemned already. I want to ask a question. Church family, I'm going to need you to help me out with just a, an amen when I ask the question if you agree, which I would hope you agree, or we may need to go back to square one, amen, from four years ago and start over. But do we serve a loving God? Amen. God's love. Do we serve a holy God? Amen. Do we serve a just God? He's holy and He's just. The attribute of love is one that is constantly affirmed throughout society. And people in this world will often say, but God is love and we should love everyone. 
And that is true. God does love everyone. But the attribute by which God desires to be known, the attribute that God constantly affirms in the Word, in the Scripture, in the Old and New Testament, the one attribute by which He is known above all else is the fact that He's holy. He's holy. He's so holy the cherubim surrounding His throne in heaven have been singing it ever since their creation from beginning. And they'll be singing it all the way until the end. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty that was and is and is to come. And they sing it constantly around the throne. Why? Because that's the cherub's job is to protect the holiness of God because we serve a holy God. And so God will love so much that it causes him to be unholy. He will never judge so much that it causes him to be unholy. Holiness is the attribute that God desires to be known. It's the main attribute of the God of the Bible. And so when someone says, how could a loving God Cause someone who maybe they didn't believe in Jesus, maybe they didn't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, someone that did great and wonderful things in society and stood for right and, and stood against wrong, how could a loving God allow that person to die and go to hell? Because God is not only loving, He is just. And the Bible says in John 3 and 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And He would not be God if He did not judge perfectly that those that are condemned, the condemnation has to be carried through. Amen. Well, I don't that. Unfortunately, that's what the Word of God teaches. And at the end of time, when we stand before Christ's throne, your beliefs are not important. What matters is what you do with Christ. That's what matters. And so back at John chapter 10, the reason why these Jews couldn't get it, they didn't understand, He tells us, Ye believe not. And because of that unbelief, because ye are not of My sheep, as I said unto you. How do we know how do we know if we're Christ's? Well, verse 27 tells us three things. How do we know Him? Number one, we hear God. We hear God. Notice, how does one know if they are of the sheepfold of Christ? My sheep hear my voice. Now, let's stop right here and let's clear something up. I am not talking about a mystical fog that we go around and all of a sudden we hear someone talking to us and go, oh, that's God! That's not how it works. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. How does one hear God? Is it any time... And this is a lot of times what happens. We blame God for a lot of our mistakes because we say, well... God wants me to do this, and God wants me to do that, and this is God's will for my life. And never one time, not nary one time, have we ever sought counsel from the Word of God or prayed about it. We just believe this is what ought to be done, and so that's what we ought to do. How do we hear God? 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 16. Verse 16. For we, this is Peter talking, we have not followed cunningly devised fables 
when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Now, just for sake of time, if you take notes in your Bible, or if you're taking notes this morning, uh, 2 Peter 1, 17 and 18 is a reference to Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9. This is an account that we call the Transfiguration. What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus was up there with Peter, James, and John. And Jesus was transfigured, and James, Peter, James, and John got to see the majesty of Jesus Christ as God. That's what verse 16 is referring to. They were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Now here's something we need to understand. Peter is writing this epistle. Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is a first-hand account. This is not my Aunt Betty's Uncle, Uncle Sam's brother's uh, Sue's dog barked and went outside and I saw something and that this is not a he... Uh, a he said, she said situation. Peter was there. Peter saw Christ in His glory. He saw Him. Peter, James, and John. Three witnesses. They heard the audible voice of God. Remember, Jesus is transfigured. Elijah and Moses are there as well. And what does Peter say? Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three temples for you and for Elijah and for Moses. And what did God say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And so here we have the audible voice of God that Peter, James, and John heard beyond a shadow of a doubt. They saw Jesus, they saw Elijah, they saw Moses transfigured Christ in His glory. They hear the audible voice of God. Look at verse 19 now, 2 we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Stop. When anybody says, well, that's your interpretation, if you're reading the Word of God, that's not your interpretation. There is one interpretation. God is the giver of the interpretation, and He is the one that shows it to us in the Word of God. So how do we hear God? In His Word. This is how He speaks to us now. He doesn't speak audibly to us. Well, you don't know what I experienced. Well, friend, religion is built on experience. Doctrine and the knowledge of God is built on the Word of God. The Bible says that we have a more sure word of prophecy than the audible voice of God. Well, the Bible tells me this, and I understand this, but... Uh, this is what I think. This is what I believe the Lord's laid on my heart. If it's contrary to this book, it's not God. Right. Amen. And so it's very important that we understand that. So where does our hearing of God come from? 
when we seek out His Word because we have a more sure word of prophecy. We've been given a more sure word than the audible voice of God. Many non-believers will say things like, well, if God does X, then I will believe. We see that's not how God works. God is not a magician full of parlor tricks that we can call upon. We need confirmation. The Bible says that faith, well, I'll have faith if God does, and you fill in the blank. Romans tells us that faith cometh by and hearing by the Word of God. It's the Word of God that tells us who He is. It's the Word of God that teaches us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's the Scriptures that tell us that, not my own interpretation. Just the clear teachings of the Bible. Just before the death of actor W.C. Fields, a friend visited Fields' hospital room and was surprised to find him thumbing through the Bible. And when he asked what he was doing with the Bible, Fields, that great actor replied, I'm looking for loopholes. Amen. Looking for loopholes. Lived an ungodly life. Lived a life after self-gratification. And then you go to the Word of God looking to see if you can find a loophole. Friend, there are no loopholes in the Bible. You either accept Christ or you spend eternity separated from Christ in hell forever. He has revealed Himself to man through Christ and given us the record. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. 1.14 teaches the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. How do we know if we know God is if we hear God? How do we hear God? Through the Word. This is how we get to know Him. God still reveals Himself to man, but He only does, through, does so through the Scripture. Number two, how do we know we know God if we hear God? Number two, back to John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them. Number two, if we are known of God. If we are known of God. One of the most comforting teachings of Scripture to the believer is the fact that God knows His own. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. If you've put your faith and trust in Christ alone, you're known of God and no one can take you from Him. We've already read down through verse 30, but look at verse 28 in John 10 again. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Not only are you known if you are His, but you are sealed, the Bible says, kept by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. In Ephesians chapter 1, just, just as a side note, it's important that we see the, the order of events because our God is not a God of confusion. Our God is a God of order. And in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, the Scripture teaches us, in whom also ye trusted, so you trust God when? After ye heard the word of truth, and so you have to hear the truth, and then you trust God and the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed. Now, when does the sealing of the Holy Spirit happen? After you believe. When is that? The moment of salvation. 
That's when it happens, Ephesians chapter 1. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. It's the earnest of our inheritance. We've, we've gone over this before. Maybe some of you have heard this example. But what, is it, what does that mean, the earnest of our inheritance? The Bible teaches us the Holy Spirit was given to us as the earnest of our inheritance. It's the promise. That's what an earnest is. If you go to buy a home and you're serious about that home and you tell the realtor, I'm buying this house, what do you have to put down on that property? An earnest payment. What happens if you back out? You ain't getting that money. Amen. It's gone. If you don't fulfill your obligation contractually with that earnest payment that you will purchase that land or purchase that home, that money is not yours. It was a promise to buy. The Scripture tells us the Spirit of God is the earnest of our inheritance. The promise. So what does that mean? That means if God, for some reason, which He cannot do because He's God, but if for some reason He decides, you know what? I'm sick of those Jesus followers down there. They've misused and mistreated my son and I'm just going to let them die and I'm not going to fulfill my part of the deal. The Bible says that we have been given the earnest of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that we still have have the Holy Spirit Amen. who is the comforter. But you see, God's not going to change His mind. He doesn't do that. Why? Because He's God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we understand that if we are His, we are sealed, we are kept until when? Ephesians 1.14, the earnest of our until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. So God, God knows His own, and He has sealed His own. And the Bible teaches us that He has a book with the names of every one of His children. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so we understand that we know that we belong to Him if we hear God, we seek out His Word, we see that the Scripture is true, we believe it, and then we are known of God, that comfort that we have been given, the promise, the earnest of the Holy Spirit. And then number three, we follow God. John chapter 10 and verse 27, My sheep hear My voice, I know them, and they follow Me. Here's another question for you this morning. Do you follow God or do you deny Him? The Scripture teaches that those that belong to Christ not only are known of Him, but they follow Him. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 quickly. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 26. Studying the life of Peter in our teen Sunday school class this morning and these passages came up and in preparing for Sunday school this morning, I overlooked them, and then as we were teaching, it's like the Lord said, look how this ties together. Look at verse 70. Matthew 26, verse number 70. This is after the arrest of Christ. This is after Peter told Christ, I will not leave you. All these others... They're going to fall, just like you said. They'll, offend, they'll be offended, but I won't. Jesus, I'm with you till the end. I'll even die with you. What happened when they came to arrest Christ? All the disciples fled. All of them. 
Verse 69, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. Verse 70, But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Look down at verse 72. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. You know, he said, I swear, I promise you, my mother's grave, I don't know that man. Look at verse 73. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Now look at the links that Peter went to. Then began he to there, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Peter went to great lengths to deny that he even knew Christ. Hey, can I share something with you? It's easy. It's easy to be a Christian. Be kind of dressed up and maybe got our collared shirt on or we, we, we've kind of combed our hair and, and, and we've, we've put on deodorant for the first time all week and we've gotten ready and we're, we're here at the meeting house and we're with other people that claim to love God and to love the book and we'll sing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus and redeemed how I love to proclaim it. And then Monday morning we get together with those ungodly lost people of the world and we've determined that, well, <laughs> this is who I want to be today. We're no better than Peter at the trial of Jesus Christ denying our Lord and Savior. Going to such great lengths to deny Him to so, so much so that we will laugh at what the world laughs at. That we'll talk like the world just because we don't want them to associate it with Christ. Because it's not cool to be a Christian. It's not popular. My friends won't like me. No, your friends will die and go to hell as you live for the world. Those people that you say you care about and that care about you never once Jesus Christ too. Never once invited to church cracked open a Bible or prayed for will die and go to a sinner's hell because of our denial of Jesus Christ. He says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. Look at James. Turn to James. James chapter 1. When we are following God, we're going to accomplish some things for God. You know what the world's looking for, friend? Can I just share that? You, you want to know what every one of your friends are looking for? Purpose. A reason to live. That's what every person in this room wants. Whether you admit we all want a purpose. We all want to feel like accomplishing something in this life. We don't want to look back at the life that we've lived and see our kids grown and gone and see that we've been let go and forsaken because that's just mom and dad. They don't know what they're talking about, just like we've done to our parents because of their hypocrisy in their life. They don't know what they're talking about. And so we, we don't want to look back on our life and feel like we've not accomplished something. This is why people go through great lengths to make sure that their name is known. I've always been interested by churches that are not after people. What's interesting? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Just always interesting. 
live at a large church have a church named after you. Amen? Why do people put their name? You go, well, what's the, one of the, the most uh, prominent building in New York City right now is the president. They say it was the largest, but it's the most well-known because of the past. Why do people put their name on things? Legacy. Name carried on. We don't want to be the end of a line, especially if it's been a sad line. Amen. Oh, that's been, boy, the Brownings. It's pretty Amen. That's what, that's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be known for that. We want purpose. Some of you first, what drove you to purpose in your life? You want to help people, and that's where you find purpose, is in helping people. Bible teaches us that our purpose can only be found in Christ. Friend, I'm not interested in a temporal purpose. You know what's awful depressing? I know you come to church to be discouraged. Amen. So I'm going to help you this morning. You want to know what's really discouraging? Start to think about the people that filled your position at your job 30 years ago. Nobody knows who they are. Try 50 years ago. No, nobody knows who they are. So then think 50 years from now. No one's going to know who you are. That's really depressing. I'm just here and then I'm just going to die. That's only discouraging if we have a temporal view of life. But when we have an eternal view of life, it's, we're promised because we're not here to propagate our own name. We're here to propagate the name of Christ. And so our responsibility as followers of Him isn't to make sure that people know who I am. It's to make sure people know who Jesus is. I was encouraged to see a lot of you brought your children this morning. I have four of my own. My wife's expecting. Brother Lance is praying for twins. My wife is praying that Brother Lance will die. Amen. <laughs> We're about to have our fifth. It's still not really hit me. Men, you know how that is when you're having children. The wife is with child already. You're just, you're just existing. You think you're helping. You, you do, right? Well, I, I did the laundry today. And that's when wives, you go, yeah, you did it today. Amen. I swept and I mopped and I cleaned and I washed windows all while carrying this behemoth of a child that's your fault. Amen. You know what I'm talking I don't know. Maybe our house is different. Maybe everybody else's house is peaches and cream. And it's just ours where when someone's, when, when, Beth, when someone's expecting, when Beth's expecting, the only one that better be expecting in my house. But I, was I got off on a rabbit trail. I have no idea where I was going with that. Anyway, I, I, I was encouraged to see all the young people. Why? One of the first themes of, our ch of the church when I became pastor was that the generation to come might know. One of the greatest gifts that you can ever give to your children isn't financial security. It's eternal security. One of the greatest gifts that you can ever give to your family is that you'll be a man of God, men. And that you'll lead your home in the way of Christ. Well, I've made some mistakes. Hey, so did David. Boy, David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He lost his son. Why? Because of his sin. What's he known for in the Bible? A man... After God's own heart. Why? 
Because Jesus gives mercy. Jesus gives grace. He offers redemption. All we have to do is follow. James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Boy, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Amen. Swift to hear, so we listen. Slow to speak, so keep your mouth shut. And then slow to wrath. Don't get angry. Amen. That's real. We were talking about that this morning, weren't we? It's real easy to get our feelings hurt, especially in this day and age. Well, they don't know who I am. I remember, never mind, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, wherefore, verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. And then, verse 22, But be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only. You want to know what one of the biggest lies is taught in churches today? You're a good Christian because you're here. Well, that's a lie. Amen. Amen. Oh, you go to church, you're a real good Christian. Pat you on the back, give you a cardboard cookie. Going to church doesn't make you a good Christian. Do you know a lost person could go to church and be there for years? Fool everybody. They're not a good Christian. I'm saved. What makes you a good Christian? Following God daily. Sacrificing self to follow Him. Putting Him first. Well, I don't like what the Bible says. Well, then you've got some kind of bitterness that you need to pray about and ask God to help you with. But regardless, it's not going to matter in eternity that you got your feelings hurt just because someone that calls himself a Christian didn't do what you thought a Christian should do. You have to determine to follow God. Wives, when your husband won't follow God, you follow God. Men, when your wives won't follow God, you follow God. Why? Because it's better to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Why? Deceiving our own selves. Verse 23, For if you be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, it is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You know what the Bible says when you show up to church on Sunday mornings and some of you on Sunday nights and some of you even go that extra mile and you go on Wednesday or Thursday or whenever your church has a midweek service and then you're there at revival meeting or Bible conference and you're there but you don't apply the Word of God. You know what the Bible says that's like? It's like waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror, seeing all of perfection and mess and then walking out the door and doing nothing about it what the Bible says. Now, I know what some of you ladies are thinking. My husband does that anyway. Amen? I, I get that. Amen? That's why I told my wife I'm ready just to shave it all off. That way I don't have to worry about any of this. I can roll out of bed. You say, that's laziness. I told you I'm not perfect. Amen? I don't want to have to worry about this. This is good looking enough. I don't need this to compensate. Amen? Amen. All right. No, it's not in here. She's... All right. We got to be hearers of the Word, but we have to be doers also. We have to know what the Word of God says, and then we have to do it. Whoso, verse 25, James chapter 1, looketh into the perfect law of liberty, it's a reference to the Scripture, 
perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. When we're following God, we're going to accomplish some things for God. If you're not following God, you will not find fulfillment in this life. Well, I'm miserable, I'm depressed, because you're not following God. So I don't even believe that stuff. Well, that's why you're miserable and depressed. You have no hope. Your faith isn't in Christ and Christ alone. If you're a Christian, you're not living the way that you should. You know what the Bible teaches us? If we don't add... Go, go to First Peter. We're almost done. I, I know I said that 30 minutes ago, but I promise we are. Amen. We're, we're there. I smell the chicken. Amen. Amen. Chapter 1. This is our theme. Second Peter chapter 1. Our theme verse is verse 3, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Scripture tells us that He's given us everything that we need to live godliness in this present world. To live for Him the way that we ought to live. He's given us all of it. We have Absolutely, that's why He gave us the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the comforter. The Holy Spirit's the one that helps us along. The Holy Spirit is where we receive our power from. I'm not talking about mystical power. I'm talking about power as in strength to continue living for God, if we'll heed the Word of God. And so look at verse 9. If these, verse eight, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What the epistle starts off teaching after it tells us He's given us all things for life and godliness is that we're to add some things to our life and godliness, that we have faith as our foundation. And then we're to add these things, not for salvation, but because we're saved. You know what we call that? Discipleship. We call that growth. The Bible says we're not supposed to be babes in Christ. We're supposed to be men of God. We're supposed to be women of God. We're supposed to be able to take the Word of God, and when something is read out of the Scripture that steps on our toes, we don't get mad and say, well, I don't like the Bible. I don't like that preacher. We go, God, what are you trying to tell me? Because I'm so angry right now because I feel like I've been slighted. But if your book says that I'm wrong, I need to know that I'm wrong, and I want to make it right. And so we need to add these things to our faith. Verses 5 through 7, we add the faith virtue, to virtue knowledge knowledge temperance it tells us all the things we're to add and if we do this then we're going to abound and I don't mean financially I mean spiritually I mean in this life when there's no joy and no peace to be found in all of those surrounding you you'll have a peace that passes all understanding because you've added all the things that are needed for life and godliness and when you've lost that one dearest to you or maybe you've been fired from your job Maybe you've caused some, or maybe there's some of great schism in your life. You'll have a peace that can only come from God and a joy that cannot be taken away. But verse 9, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The Scripture teaches there are those today that are living life absent from God, that are saved, but they've forgotten. Why? Because they've allowed the world to infiltrate their lives. They've not added to faith virtue. They've not added to their life the things of God. They've not grown in temperance and patience and in godliness and in brotherly kindness and charity. They've not grown those things and instead they've left the things of God and they're miserable and unfruitful 
and feel as if they have no purpose in life. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, verse 9, they're blind. You've forgotten. You've forgotten that you were saved to begin with. You don't need to get re-saved. Once saved, always saved. Amen? That's scriptural. That's what the Bible says. We've already read about the earnest of our salvation. The Bible says, no man can pluck me out of my Father's hand. You know what that means? I can't even pluck myself out of my Father's hand. Amen. Amen. That's scriptural. It says, no creature nor any other creature, Romans chapter 8, can separate us from the love of God. That includes yourself. You're telling me that if I'm saved, I could go and shoot someone and then shoot myself and go to heaven? Absolutely. Why? Because our God is a holy God. And if you believe... There's no condemnation if your faith and trust is in Christ. But here's the thing. Here's, here's the bottom line. You won't go do those type things if you're following Him. Only you start living for self, you fall into the danger of forgetting that you were purged to begin with. Three questions. Do you know God? Does God know you. Do you belong to Him? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As Miss Karen comes to play a short hymn of invitation.